and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, swearing, with a touch of vinyl on the side if you're feeling snacky, which I usually am. Of course, I am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, and I am joined by my cohort, semi-presenter, who's always presentable, the man who's never shy to say, King me, Keefy Checkers. How are we doing today, buddy? I've been better. (laughs) I have also been better. I've been struggling with my health the last few days. Same. I saw Hamilton last week on Sunday, and the lady next to me was very sick and was not wearing a mask, so it feels like I swallowed a lit bottle rocket. That sucks. But uh, just going to go ahead and beer check because it makes me feel better. Yeah, beer check it up. You got something wrong with you, pour some beer on it. Exactly. I got a, I've got a Modus Hopperandi IPA by, by Ska Brewing. That name is incredible, by the way. Oh, my God. Oh, be- we got it. We got it. Damn it. Spillage. Breakage, as they say in Breaking Band. There's some breakage. Oh. Hang on. Just let me get a. You can wipe that up with that Bee Gees record from last week. Oh, oh! Don't be mean to the Bee Gees. <laughs> I Everybody just listened to that know. pod out of vanity. I like to see how we're doing and make up mental grades for our performances that I never tell you about, but I only <laughs> criticize myself about. And uh, yeah, probably the harshest burn I have ever given was in, on that Bee Gees check on your on the Chaser episode. So I apologize retrospectively, not to the Bee Gees, but to you. It is totally fine. It is worth it. What's your, what's your beer? Oh, hang on. So here is my. Oh, lovely. Oh, I like that color. What's that taste like? Delicious and happy. Oh, there you go. Happy and happy. I, uh, I just because I haven't really been to the store except for meds. I'm still getting through this uh, six pack of Dale's Pale Ale. We already know what it tastes like. We know what it sounds like. Uh, I actually picked up a nice six pack of uh, Double Dale's Imperial IPA this week. So which... I don't think I know that one. Well, if you want an IPA that tastes like getting kicked in the face, which I, already, I do. I already feel like I've been kicked in the face. That's the problem, though. But this kicks you in the face with happy. All right, then. And it also makes you not be able to taste anything else for a while. Oh, word. Okay. So it's great for, for kicking medicine right behind it. Oh, Hopefully right, this week I am actually sounding better as I also listen back to these podcasts with Vanity. What I judge, however, is how drunk I got. Which on that chaser that we did two in one night, so that was probably poor choices. And not but, vanity Denise Matthews, former protege of Prince from Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, Vanity the Sin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Also, should so, but I because I moved into this new house, and you know when we started doing these, I had six months almost of podcasting to get set up and get rid of the reverb and get a good sound. Well, I haven't had that. And I, I know I believe me, I want to be back in front of the record wall because that's awesome. And I can put up like little jokes in the, in, in the wall and I'll get back there as soon as I can figure out a way to make it comfortable, but it's just not, not a comfortable seat yet. So behind me, you've got, I, I got my, my jerseys. I finally, got the jerseys up they're actually all the way around the room that's along cool. the ceiling that's uh, cool. i have five soccer three baseball the rest hockey and i don't think i've ever seen you with the baseball jerseys 
I have three baseball jerseys. I have a Korean baseball jersey. I have uh, a St. Louis Cardinals spring training practice jersey. And I have a Gateway Grizzlies jersey, which is the local independent farm, t- independent minor league club across the river, which I, I tend to get out there from time to time. It used to be back in the day, I would always call it the greatest sports bar in the world with a $5 cover. Because it was five bucks to get in and a beer was three. I don't know. It's a little more expensive now, which is totally fine. But they've also got, they serve baseball's best burger, which is what they call the Luther. They also serve baseball's best dog and baseball's best nachos. That's what they call them. And I mean, it's it's ballsy to say that, but it's pretty true. Uh, Yeah. But I I, I put my Kiss Afghan on the table in front of me to kind of soak up some of the sound. Oh, that is delicious. I'm in the dark for a second. It's been a long time since I've had one of those. Ska Brewing. Cannot get enough of it. Ska Brewing. All right. For your two-tone sound and beers. Um, Yeah, man. I, uh, You know what you're missing out of your baseball jerseys? You don't have a jersey from the greatest team of all time and the winningest team in baseball right now. Your New York Yankees from my hometown. You know, Bronx, I'm going to quote Doug Stanhope. This will be the only Doug Stanhope quote I ever use rooting for the Yankees is like rooting for the dealer at a casino. Yes. It's like you're standing there. Oh, you're busted, bitch. I got my, I got my dealer Jersey on. He busted you. Get yes. out of there. Yes. I'm from New York. I'm from the Bronx, New York. And all mm. my formative baseball memories are mostly Yankee ones. So I apologize. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm making nothing. fun of Keithy and making, you know, funny faces. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, watch yeah, on YouTube. I deserve which Also, we're getting more views on YouTube each week, which is awesome. Yeah. But, you know, the Cardinals are just the National League Yankees. Yes, they are. And it with was less very, money. You know, it's a, it's a shame they never got to face off you know, back in the day in the they 80s. Did. 60, oh, in the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah, the 60s. You know, we know what happened. But yeah. But, um, well, that was after, like, the Yankees dominated, like, every decade but the 80s. So the 80s is the time I would have liked to have seen that, like, triumphant. Like, imagine that 80s Yankees with Mattingly and Winfield against, in, in St. Louis on the turf against the greatest show on turf. That would have been insane. Whitey Ball, not the greatest show on turf. That was Rams. That, yes, that would have, see, that, the Yankees would have lost that series for one reason and one reason only. I can't the, play small ball. You, and you couldn't play long ball in that stadium. No. Even with the guys the Yankees had, no. Right. At that time, center field was 414 feet, mm. which is insane. And the air's really heavy here. <laughs> the stadium was completely enclosed, so there was never wind. So basically, you had to be able to drive a baseball 500 feet in any other ballpark to get it out. I mean, they could have. The Yankees had the hitters back then, but just like they just were not going to win that kind of game against that no, kind of team. But it still would have been a great series, I think. Uh, here's um, a factoid. The Cardinals have been in three stadiums so far. Sportsman's Park, Bush Stadium, and Bush Stadium. Actually, it's August A. Bush Memorial Stadium and Bush Stadium. Major League Baseball would not allow uh, Augie Bush, or I'm sorry, Gussie Bush Jr. to name the stadium Bush Stadium. So he named it after his father, August A. Bush, mm-hmm. which is funny now when you think about it. But the year the Cardinals moved into uh, Bush Stadium and the year the Cardinals moved into Bush Stadium, they won the World Series each time. 
1964 and 2006. Interesting. Regaling our fans with baseball that did not pay for. They came no, here let's for move on from baseball. Because right now, as we record this, the Blues are down 2-1 in their series against Minnesota, and they are losing players left and right. So we've probably lost this series. We'll see what happens by the time it comes out. But uh, I'm going to move on to my vinyl check, if you are good with that. I'm good with that. I almost had a very small one, but I ended up uh, getting out of the office yesterday and picking a couple of things up. First one I have is Wild Gift by X. They are touring this summer with Psychedelic Furs. And for some reason, I cannot get my wife to say she wants to go, being as she loves both of those bands. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that one I got for $9 plus shipping off Discogs. Now, these other two are in the wild finds at an antique. First being Heart Dreamboat Annie. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching, $15. Nice. A little pricier than I would normally pay. But when you find it in the wild, you got to give it up. Nice gatefold. Oh, wow record is in here and i did check it and arguably their best record you know oh. their first big hit record if i'm not mistaken oh. this is an original pressing ish oh shit yeah wow on mushroom records look at that shroom i want to eat I that wonder shroom. What they, i wonder what that shroom is all about i wonder I if they're wonder. secret message maybe they did a lot of shrooms and other stuff back then yes Art they did. is uh borderline underrated somehow I don't know how, but people don't mention them when they mention the greatest bands from the 70s. Because it's two women. That sucks. I hate people. But um, this, I love Hart and I hate people. Would agree this is probably their best record. It's got Magic Man, Crazy mm-hmm. on You. Uh, there's another one. Ooh, is Barracuda's not on that one? Barracuda's not on this one. Barracuda's on the next one. Now, my last record for the week... This one is something that I should have picked up a long time ago. Oh, wow. Tell people it, what it is. It is Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant. Yeah. And does he even have any other records? I mean, compilations and greatest hits, sure. Which is just basically this record. Tell our listeners about Arlo Guthrie. They may not be acquainted. This has the greatest song of all time. <laughs> Alice's Restaurant. The greatest it's song about greatest dodging song the draft. The world. Yeah. There we go. It's the greatest song about dodging the draft and Thanksgiving. It's better. It's better. In in St. Louis, on KG95, every Thanksgiving at noon, they play the entirety of Alice's Restaurant. Never the 22-minute version. Because somebody needs to take a shit. That's what happens when they play a whole album. No, this is tradition. Then on Black Friday at noon, they call it Leftovers, and they play it again. Fuck Black Friday. Arlo Guthrie would hate the idea of Black Friday... In just immensely, like I know, and they don't play it because it's it's not a commercial thing. They just play it again because they only play it twice a year. It's those two times. I get it. This is also the same station that on Easter every year plays the entirety of Jesus Christ Superstar, which I am gonna see next year finally for the first time. Oh, amazing! I just saw it a couple months ago in in San Fran at the final date of the tour. If we're talking Broadway, I just saw Hamilton. You said that. I did not say that on the podcast. Waste my shot. What? I'm not going to waste my shot. 
I did not waste my shot. And the lady next to me who was very ill did not waste her shot to get me sick. She should not have come to the show. She's an asshole. Yeah, this is the second time I have gotten sick by an old lady at Broadway play. The other one wasn't worth it. It was Anything Goes. That's anything a... goes, and I went at intermission. I went. You went. I uh, I loved any. I love anything goes. I saw that as a kid, with Gwen Verdon. You know what? Maybe I should try it again when I don't have uh, a lady who sounds like she's dying next they, to me. I mean, it sounded like it escorted her out. Actually, Not sounded like a. This wasn't COVID times, but still, it sounded like a death rattle every time oh. she was laughing. I apologize. Last week, you held off on your vinyl check, so go ahead and give it to me this week. I held off on the vinyl check. I have my vinyl check today, and I've actually had this for a few weeks in hand, listened to it several times. This is the brand new album from Meshuggah, Immutable, out on Atomic Fire Records. Comes in the gorgeous double vinyl LP. It's a pretty long album. Ooh, nice. So I'm just gonna... The gatefold, kind of dark artwork, hard to kind of tell. There's a... I like that there's a, po- there's a poster, the full album cover as a poster, which I think I just bent because I'm off my game. I love that color scheme. That, yeah. That... Oh, and uh, yeah. So they came in uh, many vinyl variants. It's basically a uh, extrapolated man on fire. And then uh, I'm just going to pull out one because these are identical. They came on multiple vinyl variants. I got the translucent red. Nice. So we're going to pull that out. Well, I recall hearing, I believe it was Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder talking about how one of the ways they make money is by selling 50 variants of everything. Oh, that is gorgeous. Is that not, is that not gorgeous? I'm trying to catch it. The light refracting off of it. Lovely. Uh, sounds great. Plays great. Um, Meshuggah, pretty much one of the most flawless bands ever. Uh Fun fact about Trevor, who's a homie, Trevor is uh, now appearing in his girlfriend's OnlyFans movies. So if you've ever wanted uh, to see Trevor I naked. Figured you, I figured you were going to drop that. I was going to uh, choose. And I mean, it's not like we're talking out of school. He posted it on Twitter. He posted it on Twitter. If you ever wanted to see me bone my chick, here's your chick. I was like, oh my God, dude. But, you know, if anyone can get away with it, it's him. You know, him. look, I am never going to throw any shade at anybody making a dollar, you know, no. showing, showing off their business. Sex work is good work. I'm all about sexual, it. It's, it's not work, a crime. Sex work is, is work is good work. And that's fine. Yeah. But I would have a hard time hearing those death metal growls <laughs> and not thinking of his Willie. Well, now I'm going to like, I want to watch it and put on Black Dahlia Murder and just be like, junk. Real quick. I first heard of Black Dahlia Murder when I saw them in concert opening for King Diamond on their very first tour. That's amazing. Just going to throw that out there. I only saw the last like three songs and hated it, but I was there. Oh, all right then. I love them now. They're terrific. Yeah, they're terrific. Um, Sorry, continue with your vinyl check if you got anything else. That is what I have for today. I'm I'm not uh, stocking up as heavily since I have a move coming soon. And uh, and I haven't been out of the house in a few days anyway, so even if I had a chance. Um, I uh, I have a couple that I won't talk about today. I got a couple incoming this week, finishing up some stuff. Did and you did you buy anything for Bandcamp Friday? I didn't. I haven't bought anything on a Bandcamp Friday in a while. I actually, I mean, we're, right now we are paying for the kids' camps and still moving stuff and taxes on my, a soft spot on the budget, so. Got it, got it. 
So everything I'm buying right now is pretty low dollar, low rent stuff. I feel like we have one news item we have to talk about. I've got one I have to talk about too. 800 pound gorilla in the room, but I'll let you go first. Well, Might as, be the same as mine. it's not, I'm sure it's not. If it is, I mean, I'll be surprised because this doesn't even go out to the press. So the, the Vinnie Vincent Creatures Fest has the latest news. I am following this story closely because I love a train wreck and this is going to be a train wreck. This is, this is even going to be a train wreck too. They announced, well, in around the 14th or 15th, they announced major announcement, major announcement on May 1st. May 1st comes, they announce, sorry, we've been invited to a Jack Black concert. We'll announce this later. <laughs> Which is the most professional thing i've I ever mean, jack heard. black is awesome it's not jack black jack white i'm sorry Did I say oh, jack I thought, black? oh yes you said jack black i was oh, i'd rather see jack black than jack white even though hey, I, I, love I love jack, jack white solo i'm not a big yeah, fan his, of he has two white new stars. albums out there both you know i've heard one one's incredible the new one's not out yet i think okay i haven't actually listened to anything since um lazaretto but oh. anyway so yeah so they're like oh sorry we'll we'll announce the the new time for the announcement later they announced it last night so here is the latest announcement at the Vinnie Vincent Creatures Fest in Nashville, where they're going to recreate the entire uh, rock in or the entire Rio de Janeiro Creatures Fest, Creatures of the Night tour show with the tank. And they've shown the tank and it looks awesome. And it's got great pyro that certainly is not going to go into the Nashville Airport Hotel, which is where this is being held. It literally, it's called Airport Hotel. But they have announced that Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, and Ace Fraley will now perform as the Unholy Trinity together on stage for the first time. And I'm like, okay, No Ace... one asked for this, though. Oh, my God. People are going crazy on the Kiss form. But nobody else has heard of it, so nobody else is going crazy. Or, or I think most people would say, who are these people? I love Ace Fraley. I love Bruce Kulick. I'm mildly intrigued by Vinny. Actually, I'm extraordinarily intrigued by the, the 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 saga that is Vinny Vincent. You better be extraordinarily intrigued how much time we're spending on this. I'm sorry. I'm don't not going to stop. I think I'm, I wouldn't. I don't want you to stop. I want. I, you have to keep going. It's like. Uh, oh no! I we will team. we will talk about every piece of news that comes out of this thing, and Peter Chris is also going to be there. Supposedly. He's going to sing a song with Ace, probably strange ways. But so you, Ace Fraley, who's about four years past expiry date in terms of musical qualities. Sorry, it's true. Love him to death. But if you've heard, his last album was auto-tuned. They had to auto-tune his vocals because he can't, I I think what it is is he can't hear anymore, so he can't stay in in tune. The Bon Jovi conundrum. Correct. And you have, if you can't hear yourself. Then you have Vinnie Vincent, who has not played a legitimate concert in over 35 years. Right who anytime we have seen him playing struggles to strum along power chords who has canceled more shows than he in the last 10 years in the last he's ever played yeah he's he keeps doing these shows and the Vinnie Vincent people get crazy and happy and he's gonna show you it's gonna be shred town and full shred and with all these d's and f's I mean I don't understand it it's like written in purple and then he pulls out and then they go well he was smart to pull out you know, we really respect you, bro. Whenever you come back to us, we'll be here. Oh yeah, these guys are these these people are waiting. I have seen people confer compare the Vinnie Vincent Invasion album 
to Led Zeppelin one. Yes. Yes. Not even touching that. that I'll is- say this. I'll say this. Like Jake E. Lee is a guy that has had tremendous bad luck with his health and being able to play gigs. And I would forgive him any trespass because he still has a proven track record as Jake E. Lee, no matter what. Right. Vinny won't Vinny let, does I mean, not. He's playing these 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 bash shows for like thirty people that cost five hundred dollars to get in. You're not allowed to film it, and he won't show like even a preview or anything. The first one of these, you actually had to go to Nashville, and you got a text message to tell you where it was. It was, it was so like a hotel secret. ballroom. Uh, it was SIR rehearsal studios. Is where he holds them. Well, I mean, but, it ain't cheap, but no, but no, and. Uh, one guy talked about how great the salad was at this. I'm not kidding. <laughs> salad. Like over and over, like 10 minutes on salad. So you have Vinny, who nobody even knows if he can play. You have Ace, who we all know can't play anymore. And he can't even keep up the tempos of, 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 the, mid te- of the mid-tempo rockers he's known for. Then you have Bruce Kulik, who's the consummate professional, who has been consistently gigging for the past 25 years. Sorry, Bruce. And 30. I... More than 30. Uh, he had a three or four year break. Did he? Okay. But then he joined. He ended up joining. I guess he's been in Grand Funk for like twenty years now. Yeah. Well, and then he was in Union for a while. I mean, he's he he has released more music. I have than the most this. expectations of Bruce to come to a show ready. Oh yeah. To anybody else? When well, he's doing yet. he's doing a Bruce Kulick solo show, which basically they play all the '80s stuff that Kiss can't play anymore. Okay, that's my news. That's was it, yeah. Was it the same news? No, I didn't think so. The eight hundred pound girl in the room is that Judas Priest has made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Win, lose, or draw, love it or hate it, I say cheers. That's worth raising a beer to the mighty. Cheers, Judas Priest. But then there's the whole second part of that, which is they did not. So I don't care for the Halls of Fame. I don't care for Halls of Fame as we discuss multiple time awards and Halls of Fame are fun talking about more than they are do I care that they get in. Um, They got in. They didn't get in on a technicality. They got in. There are categories to get in on, and the main category is the performer category. That is the typical one everyone gets in on. Judas Priest did not get in in this category. They got in in the musical excellence category along with Jam and Lewis, who produced Janet Jackson records in the 80s. Um... So, it's not a slap at... You know, people are taking it very personally. Why are they not as good as Eminem and Pat Benatar and Carly Simon and whoever, you know, Duran uh, Duran and Eurythmics who all got in under the regular uh, award? Why do they have to get in on the secondary level of awards? They're in. That's what matters. If you care about this thing, care that they're in. I didn't think they were getting in. They were like dead, almost dead last in the fan vote. The fans didn't even come out. The fan vote doesn't count, but it is a barometer of kind of what interest. the fan vote. It, what it did when Kiss got in was it the fan vote. The two highest members of the winners of the fan vote got put into. They got to put into the nomination pool. Mm, I'm gonna say the fan vote counts for one percent of one percent of the votes. It does not actually matter. Kiss got in because they got in. They sold the most records of any rock band ever, and they deserve to be in. Then they continued to shit on the Hall of Fame after they got in. I regret them getting in now, especially Paul. Just shut up, dude. You're in. But be quiet. also, every night on stage, Paul says, "You are looking at a band in the Rock and Roll Hall." But he of also fame. hates. He hates them. So, like, be quiet. Either, either take the take the take the W, 
or don't care at all. You can't do both. Steve Miller was like, I don't give a shit either way. And did not change his tune after he got in. He's like, I still don't care. So, like, be one way. Don't be two-faced. Look, the only person who whose opinion on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I respect completely is Axl Rose. Because Axl Rose says, you can't induct me. And they said, yes, we can. And he said, I'm not showing up anyway. So, not be whatever there. you want. Yeah. And, they basically and he him. was not there. And then Miles Kennedy stood in for him. No Miles Kennedy Miles should Kennedy. just be the de facto guy. Every time someone doesn't want to come in, just have him come in and sing. He's great. But uh, so Priest is in. There are very few heavy metal bands in. Uh, look, like, look, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not really the Rock and Roll or Metal Hall of Fame. There is a heavy metal Hall of Fame, by the way, um, run out of Europe and New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, there is also the there's one in um, California as well. Or, it, no, yeah, they, I'm sorry. They're the same organization. They have is the it, annual thing in. They do an annual thing at NAM in the winter when they have a winter NAM. They didn't this year, and they have an annual thing on stage at Vulcan. It's the same organization, the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame. You guys, yeah, I I saw Al, Axel Rose receive a Lifetime Achievement Award, right? Which so, I thought is hysterical. He could have gotten the 1987 Achievement Award, and it would have been the same thing. Whatever. Uh, about priests, this is important. Sorry, I'm so, sorry. So just like, again, if you're a fan and you care, they're in and that's all there is to it. There's no Agreed. backhanded Agreed. slap. It doesn't matter. They're in. They're going to be in. They're going to perform. It's going to be very awkward on stage when KK shows up. Rob already said publicly, we'd love to play with Ken at the Hall of Fame. It's just about the music. It doesn't matter about the drama. People are angry that Richie is not getting in. Richie doesn't care. I just did an interview with him where he was like, I hope we don't get in. It only matters to the other guys in the band. I don't care personally. So he doesn't care about being in or not or whatever. Um, but there's the, a lot of drama when it comes to replacement members. And yeah, who's chosen to be in. And it's meant to be the classic lineup. Ripper is not being inducted. And people are mad about Ripper not being inducted. People don't even like those records. I like those records. And I love Ripper as a singer. Maybe some of the other stuff I could leave out. But like priest should have been in for the 70s and 80s anyway and you really you know the last 25 27 years of the band do they really matter in terms of them being a hall of fame band no so don't get mad don't get your jimmy's rustled they're in be glad who's not in is a bigger source of contention among rock and metal fans yes iron maiden is not in they were not nominated they have not actually been nominated ever Rage Against the Machine has been nominated three times and never got in. Something is wrong here. Um, you know, again, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has never been exclusively rock or metal. Oh, certainly not metal, with only a handful of true metal bands in the whole thing. And I don't know how well, many. Well, I mean, I would also in. make the argument that the rock rock and roll is a is a term for a genre of music that no longer exists. Yeah, and has not existed in sixty years. Yeah. So anyway. Um, I don't. It's, it's the popular. It's the American Popular Music Hall of Fame. That would have been a great name for it. Uh, Dolly, for example, I adore, love, wonder. She's a treasure. Uh, she might make a rock album now that she's in. She got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She originally said she would not accept and asked to be removed, and then she changed her mind. I'm sure they t- they basically probably be like, "You're getting in. Don't fuck this up." So, you know, Dolly is Dolly. She can do whatever she wants. She's a pop icon. She's a country icon. She can do whatever she wants. She's a treasure. Um, she, you know, donated mil- millions of dollars of her own money for education and health care, including the pandemic. So, like, you know, we love Dolly here. And uh, I agree. I, it's 
it, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a lot easier to stomach if you just consider rock and roll to be a term for non-classical music. There it is. And so, yeah, just calm down, everybody. The priests are in. That's a good thing. Some bands are not in. That kind of sucks. Most of the bands we love are never getting in. Bands that we talk about on this podcast probably not getting in. Um, next up, you know, Rage Against the Machine is a terrible oversight. Iron Maiden, if Priest is in, Iron Maiden should be in just as a cosign. Agreed. Uh, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden have to be in if Pearl Jam, Nirvana are in. And then it becomes like, I don't know who you put in under rock and metal. Maybe Slipknot, Stone Sour. I, I don't know who Maybe. else is big enough. I mean, the way I look at the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there are two ways of getting in. You get in as somebody who changed the world, or you get in as somebody who with the numbers. We have talked about the one band with the numbers. That's Metallica. Nobody else really has the numbers. Um. Yeah, that's also true. Probably Slipknot. And then in the modern era of this like last twenty years. I really can't name one band. I have really... Right. Avenged Sevenfold I, is a maybe. They've had one dud album in there that really set them and back. And I mean, think about black metal, right? We could be seeing first wave or second wave black metal now going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's been long enough. Yeah, they just will never vote those bands in. They just won't. Right. I mean, I could see a case made for Mayhem. I could see a case made for Venom as yeah. world changing. As a Hall of Fame... Both of those right. bands, I think, are in the heavy metal hall of fame. Right, I'm sure they are. Um, and then, in terms of your, you know, your other big four thrash bands, maybe Slayer because of reputation, not because of any other reason. Not I. I do not, doubt they will get in. I, I personally, if I'm, on, if I'm on the, if I'm on the panel, no. Well, I, what do they we say, the... right? What do we say when we were doing the nomination rundown? It's either an automatic yes or it's a no. I can't right. believe you don't think Slayer should be in. I what think did they, they do. They don't have the numbers. They innovated the a whole style of metal. Well, like, they didn't. Sure, they did. They jumped on when it was. They jumped on when it was new. They are one. Of I the put Megadeth in before them. They are one of the innovators of thrash metal and arguably influenced more death metal than the first death metal bands. I'm not saying I don't absolutely love them because I do, yeah. but I, I just. <clears throat> It's a short in, list. There's really going to be no other bands getting in. In terms of a, a, a Hall of Fame for music in general? No. Not mm -hmm. even close. Disagree. They don't have it for me. I respectfully disagree, sir. But okay. Fair enough. But It's an, it's an automatic yes for me. Let's circle around to what we're talking about. We are now talking about a, from what I have heard described as, a first-generation black metal band. Don't know how anybody got to that point, but I would also make the argument that first-generation black metal is actually Nawabum. But they just like the term black metal, Venom. Yeah, it's Venom's fault. It is Venom's fault. But pagan metal, gothic metal, harpsichordian metal, metal with an acoustic guitar. I guess technically they're also folk metal. They're Danish folk metal. These are Danish folk songs. Horror anyway. folk. We are now on to the reunion era of merciful fate they we started last week with king diamond's last solo album before the reunion and the first reunion release album the merciful fate reunion is considered to have begun in 1992 don't know how because there's no concerts there wasn't what? you sure i i googled and googled i can I find feel nothing. like they went on tour to support metallica on the black album in europe 
and then they did the album. They they did, but that that tour was this the Black Album tour did a year and a half in the states first. Okay. So it's uh, like Seattle, not Seattle, San Diego from the box set was November of ninety one. Okay. Uh, I think it was November ninety one, and then, in, but I the earliest the earliest tour dates I could find from them were Memorial Day weekend, which it was not because this was in Europe. Memorial Day weekend in nineteen ninety three, a week before the album dropped. So. I guess the reunion involved putting together the the unreleased tapes from Return of the Vampire, which we discussed last week, and beginning to... Then they did it right, I think. They did it the way Van Halen always said they would have done it with David Lee Roth had they done it. If we were to do it, we would do this. Then they got back together with David Lee Roth and did not do that. But that's besides the point. This is... The, one of the only times I can name where a band reunited, did a record, and then did a tour. Yeah, that's the way you should do it. But um, sometimes the problem is the tour. The money of a tour is really hard to turn down. Uh, no, I I think the way you should do it personally: reunion tour, live album, studio. Mm. Here's a question for you personally. My recollection of this era is a little fuzzy. Oh, mine's very King, fuzzy. King was doing really well, though, solo. Why did he reunite at this point with the guys? Really well? That's... Pretty well. He was selling about 50,000 copies of his albums in the 80s. So King Diamond, as a solo artist, was always super niche. Why did he do this? Here's my opinion. And uh, King, if you're listening, I know you live near Dallas, so nothing. Never mind. Uh, my opinion is, by doing the reunion, he could double dip. He could double dip nightly, which is what he did most of these tours. He would. They would do a tour where King Diamond would be a co-headliner to Merciful Fate. So King gets a double dip on. He gets probably 50% of the King Diamond proceeds and 25% or 20% of the Merciful Fate proceeds, thereby making the most money. And the fan base is the same fan base, but then you can also charge more for the tickets. Not that ticket prices for, like Merciful Fate on this tour played, I believe Mississippi Nights in St. Louis, which is a 1,200 capacity club that no longer exists. It's like the size of like the the auxiliary buildings in your school, in your high school. Great venue, great venue. Lots of amazing acts played there. Beastie Boys, Morbid Angel, Slayer. Uh, I saw Frente there. I mean, everyone's played there. Frente. Chili Peppers played there completely Metal. nude, except with socks. I mean, this this is a, it was a very historic, prestigious club, but it wasn't big. This is before we started getting the bigger clubs, and but if you get so they're probably selling tickets for $25, which in that time is a princely sum for a club <clears throat> show. Very little stage, very little stage setup, very little, no pyro, no major state, no major production costs. And, you know, King Diamond gets to, gets pocketed. Mm. And then as time goes on, as we discussed last week, 
the King Di- the Merciful Fate reunion was just like the King Di- the Merciful Fate breakup. They parted out slowly. There were like three dudes from Merciful Fate on the first two King Diamond albums. And then he, with each successive album, one, one more leaves and then he's replaced by one more dude. It right. got to the point where Merciful Fate and King Diamond only had one dude different. Right. So it was the entire band except for, uh, was it Hank Sherman, I believe? Right. Hank, Hank is the reason for this. Hank and King are the reason for the split in the first place. Hank wanted to make more kind of commercial heavy metal which is very apparent whenever you hear a song he writes. He writes these big, gangly choruses that are incredible to sing along to. And uh, Michael Denner is much more savage and writes the riffy, riff, heavy metal, almost thrash metal stuff. Right. So that's my opinion as to why he would have done this, because it's not like everything, not like anything was going sour in King Diamond world at this point. He's selling his 50,000 copies. He's doing his little tours and, he does the tour with Merciful Fate on the next run through and playing the exact same venues that he played last week. So, but I just think he was able to get out to, to score a couple more bucks. But let's discuss. Yeah, man. Uh, in the, in shadows. the shadows. Yeah, man. This is the official comeback. Return of the Vampire, as we said last week, we covered it. It was uh, Odds and Sods. As my birthday. Odds and Sods. Yes, it is. Sods and Sods, uh, including an appearance from uh, Lars Ulrich. The, the no, remote, that's remote. in the shadows. Oh, is that on here? That's on here. Is it on here? Okay. I thought it was the on The song is on both of them. Ah, that's it. Okay. But the new version is the one with Lars is on this one. Oh, right then. On the bonus track, officially. The, the bonus track, yes. And yes. I bought this on Cutout back in the day. Yo, nice. Yeah, I had the cassette. This was... But it's weird, because this was a weird time for me when I was into a lot of other stuff. So while I got this when it came out, and I jammed it out pretty hard and enjoyed it, and some of the best some of the best Merciful Fate stuff is on here, to be honest. Um, Completely agree. Yeah, this is one of their best records I kind of went out away from me quick because this was also like Pantera time for me, yeah, and, De- and Prong and White Zombie and uh, Helmet and a lot of New York hardcore and a lot of death metal at this time. I was kind of ingesting. Oh yeah, this so, 1992 in, in in 1992 we have Seasons in the Abyss, we have Cowboys from not I'm sorry we have Vulgar Display, Vulgar Display of, Power. of Power, Dirt by Alice in Chains, yeah, Dirt by Alice in Chains. We have Black Sabbath returning. To Dio right. with Dehumanizer. Right. We bad have Motorfinger. Morbid, bad Motorfinger. Morbid Angel Covenant. Covenant, which is their best record. Oh, sure. by far. I mean, it's their only good record. I'm no, sorry. No, Dominion it's, is pretty good. It's not as good as this. I mean, it's, it's not. You know, but it's They're, not they're by far their best. It's their classic. It's their Legion. Yeah. I think Legion came out this year, too. Cause right. of Death. Right. I mean, there are so many classic metal albums that come out in 1992 is probably the greatest single year for metal. We'll have to do, we said we might do a year by year battle at some point. I don't know. Based on what we just fucked out, 92 has already won. (laughs) That's kind of true. And so then you have, and, and, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't think my words to make my face work. So I'm going to use my hands. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my hands going. In 1992, there was a great renaissance of the old school with a birth of the new school. That was a very, it was a transformative year where 
the elder giants got one more hurrah and but all this new stuff this thrash metal thing finally broke out death metal breaks out black metal starts making its way to these shores and then you have merciful fate a band almost nobody's heard of getting no play so this album yes it came and went period but it is a killer album and that's, that's it's unfortunate <clears throat> that this happened in fact i should have done this album on the department of mental antiquities with duncan but missed that boat so we'll do it here i don't feel like he's a huge king diamond merciful fate fan at all you know what i'm gonna make him do nine. Oh jesus <laughs> we'll get to <laughs> the poor bastard come on he's got the covid give him a break he does have covid we recorded get an episode well soon, today duncan He's, he's feeling worse. He might have got sick by covering Desert Fest for Ghost Cult, by the way. I hope he didn't, but they have a uh, He went to Nick Mason last night. Oh, that's cool. So in the, if you like Nick Mason, check out, uh, he talks about it quite a bit in the episode we recorded, which will have already been released two weeks after, two weeks before this actually comes out. So yeah, yeah. enjoy that, everyone. Um, so on this album, and I don't think we need to go through track by track, so diligently on this one i would throw this out this is the one i would this is the one i would do the track by track versus oh if you want to do one. it we'll do it we'll, no never mind we'll go ahead i take that back i'm just trying to get my there we go go away there we go so it starts off with egypt egypt is a great track starts off and this is a recurring theme on this album it starts off with acoustic guitar these little arpeggios, these little creepy arpeggios. Sounds like there's like one note that's like a half step off to give it that horror, that that um, psycho kind of feel. That and it's great. However, they're not singing about Satan. In fact, they are singing a religious song praising and worshiping the gods of Egypt. So the gods of death of Egypt. So what the fuck? This is a proper worship song. This is a church song. What the fuck? I just watched all of Moon Knight on uh, Disney Plus, and this is show. the perfect song. You hate Moon Knight? I can't. I, I can't take Oscar Isaac's uh, English accent seriously. Okay, he's. I, I, that's the only thing I can't get past. That it sounds like a really great idea, but his his Cockney is so it's, awful. It's pretty bad, but it's so hard to pull off that show and that character that I'm really thrilled they did it. But anyway, if you've been watching Moon Knight, literally this song name checks half of things going on in Moon Knight, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. This song helped me pass a test in ancient world history. That's insane. Um, he sings about the gods and talks about them. Anubis is devouring my heart. There you go. Yeah. It's all in there. This, yeah, this is a great album opener. This is a great song. I would say the first half of the first side of this album i put it up against anything from king or merciful fate it's arguably the only the only merciful fate album in my humble opinion that surpasses this one is the debut yeah yeah that's what i would say yeah because the, the debut is the only other one that's all killer no which problem. they don't think they thought it was like the step to something else but yeah um yeah, Egypt is a badass track. Great riffs. We're going to say that over and over. Sherman oh, and Denner yeah. on their back united on the riffs. These um, two guys on their worst night, drunk and strung out on coke, 
could just fart out a classic record. They really could. They can write any kind of song. Any and then it moves on into the best song on the album, The Bell Witch. Far and Away. My favorite, probably my favorite King Diamond song, actually, ever. Like, I love the Bell Witch lore. If you don't know, look it up. Google it. You should Google Magic to look up what the Bell Witch is. The Bell Witch haunting. And, uh, yeah, fantastic, right? There are a couple... Is this the one... Yeah, on this... No, no, I'm sorry. Next ne- next week. I'll get, to next, I'll get to that next week. But, no, great song. Amazing song. If you don't like this song, you'll never like King Diamond or Merciful Fate because this is... It's just top-notch. It, mm. I mean, I could tell you that, oh, my God, the solos are great. The the riffs are awesome. We know that. I mean, there's that's what these guys do. It's, it's like James Hetfield. Give him a guitar. Say, you got 30 seconds, write a song. It's like Tony Iommi. You got anything? Here's 50 riffs. That's these guys. It's, it's, the, it's, it's like the, having two Tony Iommis or having two James Hetfields being able to shit out, shit out riffs. And, two Adrian Smiths. Yeah, two Adrian Smiths. Wait, what? Anyway, moving on. Uh, next song, The Old Oak. Another great song. This is one of the two really long progressive songs. It's about a haunting, a hanging tree. Uh, I don't know what led him to that conclusion, but I'm here for it. Yeah, Old Oak almost has like a Black Sabbath riff in it at one point. That really like, it's almost like a, a head nodding mid-70s Sabbath jam. Definitely. Then we move on into The Shadows. This is probably the worst song on the album. Um, when I was 19 and listening to this on the bus, looking around at everybody going, you don't understand me. In The Shadows, I'm alive. In The Shadows, I'm outside. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like um, Morbid Angels, Sworn to the Black. You know, you listen to that song, you, you got your headphones on, you're just like, yeah. And then you like say the lyrics out loud. And you're like, this is not nearly the genius that I thought it was. That's kind of this one. It's fair. Great. Still a good song. It's just, it's foreshadowing. Very Anything fair. on that one? No, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's weaker than the rest, but it's not terrible. Right. And um, I think maybe it would have been better, like a minute shorter. Yeah, that's... Merciful Fate songs either should be three minutes or 40. <laughs> but you have to know. Yeah, or eight. Right, or 12. Satan's Fall is 12. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, the Old Oak is eight, almost nine. So Yeah. Then uh, moving on into A Gruesome Time, this one harkens back a lot more to classic Merciful Fate than the rest of this record. It has that very raw that nearly black metal guitar tone not a not the best better than the one before it nice and it's the only uh, solo dinner uh maybe the other there's, there's, there's a couple the golden the golden air one is also dinner but this is like the a full-fledged dinner composition by himself which he doesn't yeah. have a lot of in the band so i think they really tried to do between the Holy Trinity of Diamond, Shermer, and Sherman and Denner, they tried to um, really have a democratic process for the first time ever. Maybe trying to, you know, soothe the old wounds a little bit. And and Sherman also co-produced the whole album with King. So, and Slagle, uh, apparently Brian Slagle and Tim Kimsey. So, 
I didn't know Brian Slagle had a producing. On this, yeah. Maybe he helped uh, bring them back together. I mean, just ever. I didn't know he period. He's produced a lot of records. You'd be surprised. His name is on the production well, fair enough. of a lot of records. I don't know how much he... You know. I am sure that he also had quite a lot to do with getting them back together. Because at this time, between The Eye and Return of the Vampire, mm-hmm. the there was a... That's when they went to Metal Blade. There was an album, a Greatest Hits album released called A Dangerous Meeting, right. which was half Merciful Fate, half King Diamond, which was actually the first Merciful Fate music I owned personally. Cool, cool. So, um, But yeah, and I, I once he got King Diamond to jump, I think that's when he started putting a little bug in his ear. You know what we should do? We, you know, I love Andy. Andy's great, but all those other dudes just keep coming and going. We should get the band back together. And they nearly did it. This is the closest they came to a full Merciful Fate reunion. Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much is. It it does not have the drummer. Well, it's got Snowy Shaw on the drums, whom I routinely confuse with Snowy White. White. <laughs> Sorry, if you are in rock or metal, you should not have used the name Snowy if you were not Snowy White. Yeah, probably. But he was first. I mean, it's like. It should be, you know, like the Oscars, you know, the Screen Actors Guild. Only one person gets that name. That's it. But next track on this one, 13 Flip the Invitations. record. Yeah, is it Flip It? I... I think this is the flip point. It was on the cassette. Yeah, yeah, because it's 10 tracks, so that's probably about right. 13 Invitations. Now we're finally getting into Satan. So we're singing to this really crazy song about Satan inviting 13 people to a thing. Okay, whatever. You know, we'll do that. You know, we got more roughness. We got more solos. And, you know, that's cool. That's great. I These are really good tracks. What you got? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, definitely strong, good, good second side opener. And uh, really good lyrics for the king. Completely agree. Next is the other Michael Denner. A Room Full of Golden Air. Again, it starts off. Shit, okay. that's about. <laughs> what the hell's Golden Air? Oh, Nothing. Yeah. Anybody got? Okay, yeah. if you know what Golden Air is, this is a reference to something. Maybe it's a Satanism reference, uh, like a book of uh, church. Could of you Satan. please send me an email? Write a comment on the video. This is a great point. Like, share, subscribe, whatever. Do that. But tell me what Golden Air. I mean, is that cocaine? I don't know. I mean, that could be cocaine. Golden Schneef. <laughs> Uh, Golden it's a, booger sugar. Yeah, it's a pretty good instrumental as far as they go. There wasn't a lot of instrumental stuff going on in the early 90s. It was kind of a getaway from the instrumental. But it's yeah. short. It's only three minutes long. And again, I like, like a, this one. It's a yeah. nice, it is a nice little, it's a nice respite. Because mm-hmm. you have King Diamond. Basically, I envision King Diamond in the makeup at all times. I mean, I don't picture him without it. Mowing his lawn. Oh, yeah. Fishing leaves out of the swimming pool with the thing. And screaming in a falsetto the entire time. And if you come up to him, I picture him, you know, squealing. He's making the faces, yeah. And, and like, a close talker doing it to you to, like, be wearing a cape. I'm too sick to do any kind of standard imitation of the king, but just use your imagination, listeners, and watch. Yeah, I, I can't do mine either because I got this throat. But I, I do. Got... I do kind of feel like imagine Kim around the house, you know, Kim Bendix around the house in Texas, uh, you know, in like khakis and an Izod 
polo shirt with the makeup on and the hat. And he's like at the grill, and even his grill has like the bone cross, but it's a spatula. Oh of yeah, a microphone. yeah, yeah. That's what I imagine. King Diamond mowing the lawn in face paint. And the uh, the 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 handle is the bones. Yep. I uh, picture him at the golf course. You know, instead of having uh, putter putter covers, it's bones. It's like skulls, <laughs> little baby a, skulls. Instead of a, a club sock, it's a yeah. human foot. Yeah, bloody human foot. I'm gonna quote. I'm gonna quote Mitch Hedberg right now. A human foot is the ultimate stocking stuffer. (laughs) I did not expect to laugh this much, considering how crummy I feel. That's great. uh, Thank you. There's a Mitch Hedberg joke for all occasions. For everything. For everything. And so, I mean, it's you know, you have King Diamond. Basically, I I think there was makeup on the microphone, not because he was so close to it, but because he screamed it off of his face and onto the. The microphone. So it's nice it. to have three minutes of nothing. <sighs> Just guitar. Okay. Guitar, a lot of acoustics. Again, this album is full of acoustics. And there was not a sit there was nary there was nary a Taylor or Martin anywhere near the studios when these guys did their first couple records. So it's a nice new it's a nice evolution. It's more than just lyrical, it is a musical evolution of this band. And that's really cool. So it's it's really great. And then, you know. Cool stuff. And then we move on to Legend of the Headless Rider, another long one, good, progressive, merciful fate. I mean, they're just going to give you what they got. And if, if I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense if they're going to sing about a dude without a head. Mm. I am a big fan of the uh, Legend of the Headless Horseman. I imagine this is probably meant to be some kind of similar ode. And, but scary. Uh, but scarier. And uh, again, a Sherman music composition and uh, a very fine track. Probably should have ended the record on this track, actually. Could have ended the record on this track, but they didn't. Should have. Then they do the sequel to Melissa. Now, I did say the first record was all killer, no filler. Melissa might be the exception to that. Don't know that I need that particular track. I also really don't need them continuing, King Diamond continuing to play that song. Like on the the King Diamond uh, songs for the dead or lullabies for deadly lo- whatever the the last one. Oh yeah, because one was songs for the dead, one was lullabies for the dead. I mean, come on, get better titles. But he he did two merciful fate songs. It's like more mercy, and then he does Melissa, and I'm like, what the actual fuck were you thinking? Who wrote this down? Who did anyway? So then, what we definitely don't need is a sequel to that song. And here he is. Is that you, Melissa? Is that matter? you, Sandy Claus? <laughs> I mean, isn't Melissa... <laughs> that would be a better song. Actually, I kind of really want King Diamond to do uh, Nightmare Before Christmas songs now. But, like, yeah, this is not good. This is not good. Yeah, I mean... I know there's going to be people who, like... There are people who love Unforgiven and Unforgiven 2. This is not Unforgiven 2. No. This is pointless. Yeah. It's basically this is this is the blemish on the record, to be honest. It's the exact same thing as Unforgiven 2, except Unforgiven 2 was good. Yeah. So then we move on to the bonus track where Lars Ulrich gets to play with I would not say an influence. I would yeah, not say mentor. a hero. Mentor. I would not say a, Metallica was first. Nah, nah, but like no, he knew a fellow Dane. Yeah, fellow. I mean, they're about the same age, but I feel like King was known. 
Lars was still in Europe and a European person resident when King's first band was making the rounds. They had to know each other. I mean, like... Well, and I don't know, because I thought he came here when he was, like, 12. Yeah, but, I mean... I don't know. It doesn't matter. He was back and forth a lot. He was 16, and he followed Motorhead all over Europe. Oh. So, instead of going to... Instead of playing tennis, what he was supposed to do. And going to school. Yeah, oops. Yeah. Anyway, it worked out well. It's, It's fine. I don't yeah. recommend that. I don't recommend that system for most people. But it's a good track if you're a huge Metallica stan and you're an obsessive Metallica person. You want you want to hear it. Yes. You don't really notice if you go back to listen to the last record we did, which was the first. You know, like Return of the Vampires on there. Also, it's not any different. It is. It is. This is a this is a re-record, and like when we, I think I'm, I've told this before. The song "Merciful Fate" by Metallica makes me angry. Because it's how merciful fate, how good merciful should it, fate should be, should be, but isn't. And this is like that compared to the Return of the Vampire version. They re-recorded it. They had a budget more than sixty-eight dollars or sixty-eight Danish dollars or sixty-eight cinnamon rolls. I don't know what a Danish dollar cinnamon roll is called. And so, Crullers. and they had a produce. They had a producer Crullers. who wasn't what? It's not Crullers. It's Kroners. No, Kroners. That's Swedish. They also have them in Copenhagen. They have Kroners. They have I have phones? I have some here. So. Okay, so they, they their their recording budget was more than seventy five Danish crawlers. So, and the and the Danish. producer they they had a producer. Did Danishes and, come from Denmark? By the way, not the people, the food. Probably not. I have to know this. Someone help me. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I'll go with yes, because that I feel better. What about Great Danes? Do those come from Denmark? Okay, we have a lot of questions. If anybody has answers, let us know. Anyway, so where was I? So then they could go in and record on on Metal Blade's big shiny penny. Not that Metal Blade had that much money or has that much money, but it was a lot more money than these jackasses had back in the, the winter months in Denmark recording on off-peak hours in the in February. So it sounds much better. But the problem is, is it's still the same song. And that song is not great. So yeah. when you say if you're a Metallica stan, this is this is for you. Yeah, this is weird. Just looking at the, yeah, it's not it's not that great. Looking at the uh, personnel on this record, for some reason, John Marshall. I forgot what band he was in, but he Metal was Church. Also, so he was in Metal Church, right? And he was at this time not yet or he was yeah, he was already working with metallica as like their road tour guitar he he tech was guy. uh james's guitar tech even back in the puppets days so he plays on this album on on is that you melissa unless there's two i mean john marshall could be a very common name but i have trouble believing on a record that lars ulrich is also on on metal blade on a label he was on that it's not the same john marshall but there's a john marshall playing harpsichord on track nine Wait a minute, so King Diamond didn't play the harpsichord? He did on the first track, yeah. It's on the first track. Uh, No, this is bad. He definitely plays harpsichord on the next record. Also, weirdly assistant engineering this record is Sterling Winfield from Pantera fame. Mm -hmm. Which is weird, because that's like their house guy for their whole life. He was like the... The third best friend of the, you know, the fourth meal best friend of the brothers Abbott and Rex Brown. So it's weird that he's on this also. So, hey, good for him. And, uh, yeah. But all in all, great record. Uh, It is the 
Merciful Fate's discography is littered with a lot of things like we're going to talk about next <laughs> and things we talked about here. This is, uh, you know, this is definitely on the, the plus side of the ledger. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Nothing else. I have no notes beyond. Uh, want to talk about the tour real quick. Uh, as we, as I meant, alluded to earlier, tour started right before the album dropped, which I think is awesome. And here is one of the set, here's the set list from this show, from this tour. And uh, let's see. Uh, so this is from October 21st, 1993 in Fort Lauderdale. 12 tracks, no encore. Uh, Doomed by the Living Dead, Curse of the Pharaohs, Bell Witch, Dangerous Meeting. Already, this is great, right? Could not, could not get it. Only up from here, right? Next, is that you, Melissa? Motherfucker. Then Gypsy. Well, okay, back on the right track. Can only go up, right? Right? Nope. Drum solo. Okay. Then we come back with Egypt. Kick ass. Satan's Fall, Come to the Sabbath, Black Funeral, and it finishes off with quite possibly my favorite Merciful Fate track, not named Satan's Fall, Evil. Now that is a set list. That's except a pretty for, good set list, except for Melissa. But if you're going to have no, Melissa... No, it's not even Melissa. Uh, it's is that you, Melissa? Not the and right a drum Melissa. solo. And a drum solo is not necessary, especially with no encore. Um... 12, okay. I mean, that's, it's 12 songs, but I mean, a bunch of those, you know, there's two tracks right there that are 20 minutes alone. I, I if, think, yeah. Mm, if you good. get 90 minutes out of a band in a club, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Do we want to talk at all about the Bell Witch EP or skip right over? Let's nah, just skip that. It's, Let, it's just them. I will also say it. that during the tour, Timmy Hansen leaves the band and they get Charlie D'Angelo, later of Arch Enemy and Dismember and Witchery, to play bass. Live for them, he ends up playing quite a role in in merciful fate for quite a while that is really cool so as as it happened before it happens again we start parting out members and so we move on to and not gonna not gonna complain but king diamond merciful fate they're working hard next their next album comes out in october of 94 which is time Mm -hmm. so they start off with 92, they release a a compilation of unreleased tracks. 93, they drop a brand new reunion record, go on tour. And then in 94, they drop another brand new studio record. So if you're a King Diamond Fate fan, this is the 90s, and we are about to talk about the fourth release of the 90s in 1994. In three years. That's pretty damn sweet. Pretty great, yeah. So let's talk about this one if we have to. Yeah, sadly, this record is not nearly as good as the last one. They rushed. They uh, can rushed I this say, out. I had never heard this album until this week. Yeah, because I, I, I always assumed it was a later album, and I just missed it. But it turns out, no, it actually, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. So here we are. So let's see. It's not a beer check. That's a Waterloo cherry limeade seltzer. Seltzer. Trying to like make it through this pod with all my willpower. I love. I'm a seltzer fan. I don't know if you know this. I don't. Ghost Cult Magazine has an affiliate deal with Liquid Death. Use the cult, the code Ghost Cult Mag at checkout to get a free koozie pack. 
Can you pause, please? No. Hi. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I always thought time came later. I always thought the album that we're going to start with next week, Into the Unknown, was the next one, which I got that one contemporarily. Ordered from Columbia House, I might add. Because, uh, yeah. So let's start with this thing to begin with. I listened to this like once back then when it first came out. Occasionally heard another song here and there. Not a big lover of this record. Listened to it twice. uh, Once earlier in the week and today again. So I have tried so hard with this record in the this past week this to break fourth wall for just a moment we are actually recording this episode on saturday we usually record on wednesdays things got things got real real life got in the way so which gave me extra time to try to spin this thing and try to find something to love about it no no i i I did not find that i would say we don't even have to do all the tracks let's just whiz through this as quickly as we can most of this is marginal i'll be honest this is actually the album this is the album that has the song witches dance which we just i discussed that video and it's like the worst king diamond video of all time which is really saying something yeah his videos are not good which is for his stage show is phenomenal my hope is that the budget is there when they finally make a new king and merciful fate record that he actually gets like one big budget video or an animated video, maybe. Well, hopefully it's better than what he did for the long form video that came with the Puppet Master. No. Did you watch that? Did you ever watch yes. that thing? We're not going to talk about the Puppet Master. So let's just talk about this for a minute. Yeah, briefly. I was, I was watching this video, and you know he's in his King Diamond on stage voice, which he talks like this when he's on stage. He sounds like an old Jewish man. I don't understand <laughs> it. But, and he's like telling the story of this and it's him sitting at this antique desk telling the story. And I, 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 I just look at the screen and, and, I, and I said, why did you do this? You are wasting Metal Blade's money. What is wrong with you? I have never before or since thought you are wasting the record label's money. But he did. Sorry. I love, great, great album, by the way. I have it on vinyl. Mm. Uh, yeah, not this. <laughs> not this. No, I don't have this. So, you know, yeah, let's let's just pick out the songs we like, if there are any. I have like three out of eleven that I like. Oh my god, hit me! I got nothing. Uh, yeah, everything. The opening, is cool. the ahead, opening track's ahead. not bad. Nightmare, be thy name. It is not bad. It is very. You know, we we spent forty five minutes gushing and stroking and glad-handing and dutch-ruttering these two dudes about how amazing they are and how great they can riff. All of a sudden, Timmy's not there. And now it feels like... I don't think he was ever really a writing factor, but it does seem strange that... I I just think what it is, just really quick, to precursor what you're going to say and probably what I'm going to say, is I think it was just like, on one hand, they should have been firing on all cylinders after this run together. But I think it's probably the opposite effect is they went on tour and it started to be diminishing returns between the guys and the chemistry 
maybe fell apart a little bit. Maybe because of Timmy, maybe not. Um, I don't Entirely know. possible. It, it Entirely just seems possible. like there's no there's no oomph to this whole record, and I don't Correct. know what it is. I don't. I'm not trying to blame anyone in particular. Collectively, there's no pizzazz on this. Yeah, there 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 is no standout star, and there's no standout anchor. This is this is five dudes in a room, frankly, not getting it done. And it's when they the closest they ever get to getting it done, it just sounds like a rehash of what they've done in the past. Yes. And well said. I am a big fan. Like the reason why I love Metallica as much as I do is because they're a band that never does the same album twice, except for load and reload, but that's that that really should have been one album anyway. Yeah. So I love that about them. That each album of theirs is new and different. Obligatory Metallica mentioned. Go ahead. It's like the third one. It, it happens every week. It just, does. The thing about Metallica is a great touchstone. If you are Jimmy, fifteen year old listening to this, you know Metallica. Mm. That's why I always it's use a good the reference point. Bands. It is the equator of all metal. Correct. Well, that's why I always use the biggest bands to as touchstones because mm. I could I could say, well, this is a lot like. Un, where you can tell they're growing and changing, but I mean, how many people have heard of Un? No, not no. enough. Nobody. Not enough. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say Nightmare Be Thy Name is good. The Mad Arab is good for those who yeah, don't that's know. It's not an offensive song. It's the Mad Arab is the character from H.P. Lovecraft, Abdul Asharad, who is the uh, fictional author of the Necronomicon. If you know your Lovecraft. Um, some of these songs are garbage, garbage, garbage. <laughs> Mirror is a good track. The Afterlife is a good track. So it closes a little strong. And then there's like a six-minute uh, final closing song that I don't like either. So most that, of this I could live without. And, and I mean, the thing about the last song, Castillo del Mortes, what language is that? Is that Portuguese? Beats me. Because if it's Spanish, it should be Castillo de los Muertes. Yeah, it's not that. And it, 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 so it's not Spanish. Is it Castle of Mortals? Because that's what I think it means. That's I thought what I it meant it Castle of Death. Yeah, Castle of the it, Dead. He got that wrong. Then <laughs> it's like he's got the title wrong. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, may, I mean, he's King Diamond. He makes up his own lexicon. Maybe who? Why am I so critical? But it's just after that last record. That's such a banger. And this one is so disappointing. Um, I'm this sorry one is so disappointing <laughs> that I'm kicking open another beer. Oh well. Uh, yeah, you, do you have Dales. any highlights on here? Oh, nice, Dales. Do you have any highlights on here at uh, all? The or? Mad Arab is very good. That is a that could have easily been on the previous record. Um, Witch's Dance is almost not terrible. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and everything else, either there, there's nothing else in this album that I require. And I mean, it's I hate to say that, and I hate to to bang on you know a band i love this much but it's they they didn't bring the goods this time and then it sucks but it happened you know everybody puts out it's it's not offensively bad but it's not offensively good either you know it's also uh interestingly enough it is a whole new, like I said, a new rhythm section. Maybe that's the, I hate to blame Oh, yeah, those the, guys. the drummer changed too. We didn't even mention that. Yeah, I mean, I'll see Snowy. No, the drummer is the same. I'm sorry. Well, he only played on half of the last record, but now it's like a completely new rhythm section. And maybe 
that's the thing. But, I mean, Charlie is a great bass player. No, I'm not knocking Charlie, but, like, it's not fair to either of those guys. But, like, yeah, this guy looking for a reason. Like, why is this not that good? The It's not the rhythm section. It's the the riffs are not better. I mean, if you look at, let's, let's look at the, oh, here's, here's a big problem, in my humble opinion. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, here in okay, I got a, I got a couple of reasons why this why this is the problem with this. One, there are no collaborative songs. That's could be the th- I mean that may be the thing of the last two records, but it definitely didn't work here. Two, King Diamond wrote the music for half of the album. That's also not good. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think I think we just sussed it out. It <laughs> they didn't write this like they had written everything else. There mm-hmm. were on. On, on in the shadows there's a significant amount of collaborative it's it's mostly collaborative uh let's no it's not i take that back it was not collaborative at all but it worked on that album so wow well i just you know put my dick out in the wind on that one but no it's i think that's the issue is it's king diamond wrote too much of the music he had too he had too big of a hand on this and even on his even on his own albums, Andy LaRock writes half of it. Mm. So, but let's move on to the tour, the set list on the tour. Two. On this one, they did 14 songs rather than the 12 on the first one. So they did The Oath, Nightmare Be Thy Name, The Bell Witch, Curse of the Pharaohs, A Dangerous Meeting, Again, is that you, Melissa? Doomed by the Living Dead. Moby Dick with the drum solo. That is not necessary. The Mule by Deep Purple. Falling by Solitude Eternus. My Demon. Satan's Fall. Come to the Sabbath. And again, the greatest closure of all time. Evil. But let's talk about this for a sec. So one, two, three, four. Four tracks on this out of these 14 are from the previous reunion albums. So that's about a 30, that's about 33% of the tour being on these two albums. And they chose some pretty long ones from the albums as well. So that's pretty sweet. I would say that is that you, Melissa, is still not a song I want to hear. No. What what are your thoughts on that set list? Yeah, that's a good set. I mean, except for that, a couple of duds. I get, I can get trying to like you know that's their third maybe maybe world tour in two years, so they're trying to change the set list for themselves. But they really didn't. Change I it don't much. need a drum solo from Snowy Shaw. I don't need covers, and I don't need is that you, Melissa? Again. Yeah, there's th- okay. Who the hell is Solitude Eternus? It's a pretty good band, actually, but I don't. Is it? Want, I don't, I don't know want them. King Diamond covering them. And it's they cover it in an instrumental. Yeah, that's probably what that's it is. dumb. Moby Dick, Deep Purple. I'm sorry, that is that that's a poor choice. I would have been very dis. See, <clears throat> some Moby Dick great. Led Zeppelin. Moby Dick, the drum yeah. solo. Oh yeah. my god, that's I, I'm assuming that's when they played Snowy Shaw's solo. But you know what? I you know you know who's great at playing Moby Dick. Led Zeppelin. Yes. You know who I don't need to hear it, but you know, you know who I need to hear play that song now. 
right now. Who do I want to hear play Moby Dick? Then Dream Theater. Not even. No one. It's it's fine. Because let it go. There is no reason. Fifty years old. Let that shit go. There is no, and at this point in time, it was twenty years old. There is no point in bringing this into the. There is no point in bringing this into the conversation. Mm. And then Deep Purple. What the actual? What seriously? It's not even a twin guitar band. I just laughed my headphones off my head. That's all. I mean, if they were doing like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or something, okay. Okay, I see. But it's like, you know, you know what they should have covered? I mean, Wild Thing. Just cover Wild Thing. <laughs> Louis, Louis. Yeah. Open the set with Wild Thing, close it with Louis, <laughs> Louis. See if anybody notices. That's what Motorhead would do, though. Yeah, but Motorhead couldn't play. Oh, stop. Um, I mean, Lemmy couldn't play. The rest I could make you do a Motorhead run just for that. I totally should do a Motorhead run. I'm fine with that. Against them. Um, anyway, I think that's kind of all I have for this episode. That's all I have for this album. Just really is a dip, unfortunately. It, it is a dip, but the good news is next week we're rolling again. Mm, all right. Well, we'll fight that next week. But yes, uh, so what we have this week is a lot like what we had last week. First record, great. Second record, not great. Except the highs were higher this week and the lows were lower. Yeah, well said. Well said. All righty. Anything else this week? I got nothing, sir. All righty. Don't don't get this record, Time. Get the, the other one. Yeah, do not buy Time. Just don't. Just just don't. Skip. Skip, yeah, hit hit skip. Don't even listen on Spotify. Just, just I mean, just to show them. But you know, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you have made it through this far, thank you very much. You are princes, princesses, heirs apparent, and attorneys general and justices of the peace. So thank you very much for for kicking it with us this week. Greatly appreciated. I am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical for Keefe Chakis of Ghost Cult Mag. We appreciate your attention, your listenership, your earhole space, letting us fill it. We like to fill that space. I know I do with my words, nothing else, just my words, not innuendo. Wait a minute, that is words. Anyway, but uh, thank you very much. If you could like the video, if you're listening to it, rate the podcast. If you're, I'm sorry, like the video, if you're watching it, rate the podcast, if you're listening to it. Any, just those little teeny tiny nothing burgers that you can do really help us out. And with that, I will say thank you for listening to the Galatian Musical Podcast. It does not play in Peoria. Who won the championship this year? I don't know who. Peoria. Okay. They won the championship this year. They're like, like three days ago.